just a gentle reminder, this episode has coarse language, things that may offend certain people, basically all the awesome things in life. So if you have small children, or you're just a pansy, you might want to leave the room and leave it to the grown-ups to listen to the show. Enjoy. You're listening to the Remzo Republic. Gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Remso Republic, the Fallout Edition. I'm your host, as always, Remso W. Martinez. And contrary popu- popular belief, I did not go into hiding in my secret New Mexico bunker filled with beans, bullets, bottled water, all the necessities. No, I voted, went, campaigned for Tom Garrett, my boss, came back, went to Charlottesville, celebrated a victory. And then I got to see the fallout of the Electoral College. And we're not going to go ahead and talk about the fallout from there specifically. Everyone's talking about that. I'm not going to say anything else about Donald Trump. I will say this about Hillary Clinton, though. Because if there's one thing worth celebrating, it's this. The Clinton machine is dead. Forever. You will never have to worry about that crime family ever again. Am I saying that there's not going to be someone else just as bad that comes up in the future? No. But in terms of that, Smog has been slain. Dormammu has been put back into the Dark Realm. Doctor Doom has been put in prison. The Clintons are gone, America. But where does that leave us? Everyone's doing some type of, like, autopsy report. This year it belongs to the Democrats. We're going to see the Democrat autopsy. You know what? I have not seen any of the libertarian autopsy it's because essentially every libertarian campaign you just assume like on victory night you're automatically doing the autopsy report but um people are celebrating it people are celebrating gary johnson bill weld hitting three percent gary's gone silent bill went silent right as soon as the electoral votes started being counted last tuesday Everyone is chanting, let's just do better next time. Let's try and keep going next time. Four million. (laughs) Four million. That's three million more than last time. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that something to be happy about? I don't think so. In fact, I'm rather disappointed. Truth be told, I'm going to get a lot of flack for this. I did not want Gary Johnson to get 5%. I didn't want the LP to get those matching funds. Why? Because Gary Johnson and Bill Weld did not deserve that. Now others are going to say, well, think of the down ballot. Are you saying you don't want to support all the other great, fantastic libertarian candidates? Wrong. I do. I do support them. Alex Merced, Lucy Brenton, so many great candidates on the down ballot this year across the country. But running with Bill Weld, Gary Johnson, running in whatever type of abomination libertarianism that was, that's not, gonna, that's not how anyone will ever win. We've seen that with the Republicans watering down conservatism. We've seen that with Democrats almost constantly. Liberalism doesn't even mean liberalism. And yeah, the national GOP is one different beast than what my candidate Tom Garrett was. Tom Garrett's a constitutionalist. 
Tom Garrett believes in national law. Am I vouching for the Republican Party? No, but I'm vouching for Tom Garrett. I'm vouching for all these other great people that actually believe in liberty. But let's move on. Let me go ahead and bring in our guest who's going to hopefully rip on Gary a little bit more in case you haven't heard it enough. We've got the host of the Lava Flow podcast, Roger Paxton. Roger, welcome to the show. It's great to be here, man. So you totally voted for Gary and Bill, right? You know, for the first time in my 40 years on this planet, since I was eligible to vote anyway, I did not cast an election, uh, cast a ballot this time. What? I did not. You know, this was a very difficult decision for me because there were down ticket libertarians that I could have voted for, but they were no more libertarian than Gary Johnson. So what would have been the point for me to go vote? You know, being here in New Hampshire with the Free State Project, we have lots of libertarians that get elected to the state house every election. But they usually run as R's and D's because the R's and D's have made it darn near impossible to get on the ballot as a libertarian here. Thankfully, our gubernatorial candidate changed that by getting over 4% this time, so we'll have full ballot access in two years. But we elected from the Free State Project more than 15 members to the House, to the state house, as R's and D's. So we didn't have to have libertarians running here. So that leads to my next question. Does party affiliation mean anything anymore? Because 60% of this electorate was independent. You know, I I was up until I, you know, slashed up my LP membership card last week. I was a rather independent person, but I always, you know, threw in financial contributions to the LP. I worked for a Republican and I voted for Evan McMullen. And now it really just shows me looking at myself, I I can have my core political philosophical beliefs, but at this point, I see a lot of people like me that just said, party be damned, I'm going to vote for who I believe in if I want to vote at all. Well, there's one thing that I agree with Nick Starwark on, and I consider Nick a friend, but here lately, the last few months anyway, I've disagreed with him vehemently on many things. But he did say something after the election that really rung true with me. Your parties are dying. And he was saying that to the Democrats and the Republicans. But I would go one further, and I would say the same thing to Nick, because all of the parties are not going to be the same way that they are now four years from now. The Democrat Party is going to have to take a major shift after this Hillary debacle. The Republican Party is going to have to reinvent itself, not because Trump obviously won. That's great for the Republicans, right? Not really, because there's so many Republicans that are still going to be never Trump, and I'm afraid that they're going to move on to another party. My concern is it's going to be the Libertarian Party, which is going to completely change the dynamic of the Libertarian Party. So I think that all three parties are in some way going to die. Yeah, I mean, that. I've been really confused lately. Because we're looking at how everyone is, and everyone's in like the honeymoon phase post-election. But here's what happened. The alt-right is now solidified in the GOP. The Libertarian Party became some type of like soft progressive party, you know, smoke your pot, but we're going to tax carbon. Um, Enjoy your guns, but we need to have a comprehensive talk on gun control. Um, Limit taxes, but oh, by the way, did you get your kid vaccinated? And then the Democrats are just completely totalitarian. I mean, it's I can't just, dis- yeah, what were you going to yeah, say? I can't, I can't disagree with that at all. And, you know, I think that you might be 
a little bit hard on the liber- I think that what you're describing as the Libertarian Party is not necessarily the Libertarian Party, more so people who represent it. Okay, uh, I'll, I'll concede that. I'll concede I that. do believe that there is still a shrinking, of course, but there's still a core group of Libertarians in the Libertarian Party who still hold on to that statement of principles, the principles that, that matter in the party. My concern and the reason that I publicly resigned my membership to the LP after Bill Weld was nominated is that that, that core is shrinking and it gets smaller every four years. I think that by you know the next four years, 2020, it's going to be so small that it's going to be inconsequential. True. True. Absolutely. Roger, we're going to continue with that thought, but first we're going to go ahead and take our first commercial break. Folks, you're listening to the Remsen Republic. Hang on tight. We'll be back in a moment. Take the show on the go by subscribing to the Rimza Republic on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, and YouTube. You know what it's like to go to sleep every night knowing you work for a bunch of psychotic killers? Yeah, I can't read it. There's no there's no words on it. It is an absolute and total dictatorship taken over by the Chicago Bob. Uh, I don't know. We wouldn't be doing this dumbass live streaming if I weren't. So yes, I still am running for president. Get over it. Reporter, now the poor guy, you gotta see this guy. Oh, I don't know what I said. Uh, I don't remember. He's going like, I don't remember. I, oh, maybe that's what I said. So much noise from people. I mean, when, when did we actually go to certain individuals to learn how to think? When was the last time they actually just asked you, make your own decision? Come to your own conclusion. There are a lot of talking heads out there, but when it comes to actual factual insightful information where do i go there are many good sites out there but in terms of just one individual i usually keep my eye out for it's got to be one of the best bloggers i think i've ever read he gives you the perfect clash of libertarian and conservative insight who is this individual well let me tell you his name is joel curtinitis that's k-u-r-t-i-n-i-t-i-s joel curtinitis he's a branded contributor at the blaze he's at the liberty conservative and currently he's at the des moines register and let me tell you if you want to listen to a person that has a dry and quick wit he's incredibly well read and he's just gonna give you straight talk this is it you can find Joel Curtinitis on Twitter at Joel underscore Curtinitis, or you can find him on Facebook. If you're looking for someone that just gets straight to the point, gives you insightful knowledge that you're not going to get anywhere else, it's Joel Curtinitis. So check him out today. How about the rest of us? Right wing and bitter clinging, proud clingers of our guns, our God, our, and our religions, and our Constitution tell us that we're not red enough. Avoid the noise of Joel Curtinitis. Today's program is brought to you by Jeff Peterman at the Conservator Nation. Have you not heard of it yet? Well, for those of you that don't know, the Conservator Nation is the newest project of former congressional candidate Jeff Peterman. Jeff is a strong and strident conservative and a Christian, and with his newest podcast, The Conservator Nation, he's trying to basically give people like him a voice outside of the media. 
because if, if we know one thing, it's that the media is not friendly to the ideas of anyone that's not a progressive liberal. And while Jeff and I may have different points, what we need are a free market of ideas, and Jeff is offering that to you. So go ahead and check him out at Jeff Peterman-Conservinator on Facebook, and also check out his website, www.conservinator.com. Check it out today. Gentlemen, welcome back. You're listening to the Rims of Republic with our special guest tonight from the Lava Flow podcast, Roger Paxton. Uh, we were just wrapping up our discussion on political parties. Roger, you think it's shrinking, right? Well, I know that the core is shrinking um, because there's lots of libertarians like me who have turned their back on the Libertarian Party because the Libertarian Party turned their back on us. And it really started in 2008 with Bob Barr, um, Ian Freeman with uh, Free Talk Live. Uh, he resigned in 2008 after the Bob Barr debacle. Um, I, you know, I've hung around and taken as much as I could, and then I finally had enough with Bill Weld. And I think that there's a lot of really hardcore libertarians, especially here in New Hampshire, you would be amazed at how many libertarians here, hardcore and cap libertarians, real libertarians that don't do anything in the political process. All of their activism is outside of the political process. And I think that that's going to be the future because with the political process, you can make a gain here, a loss here, but the pendulum always swings towards less liberty. We've seen that for 240 years in this country, and it's going to continue. We can make a gain here or there, but the losses are going to override those gains. The pendulum always swings towards less liberty. You're absolutely right. And the thing that I keep trying to remind myself is politics is always downstream of culture. It is. And with, I think, a lot of people trying, you know, they're they're depressed, they're upset, they're angry, they're frustrated, rightfully so. They're withdrawing from the political process. My, my biggest question is, for a lot of them, okay, what now? Because we still need to change the culture. For the first time in my life, I actually bought gold right after the election results. I, I saw how things were going, and I was like, oh, crap, the Dow's going to drop and everything else. It's, time, it's finally time to listen to all those Ron Paul commercials and buy some gold and <laughs> copper and <laughs> silver. And then I looked into the, like what the blockchain is of Bitcoin, and I'm looking at all these new you know, agorist principles and theories and everything else. I'm thinking, wow, this is actually it. Opting out isn't simply saying I'm done, I give up. Opting out of the political process sometimes simply means that you're trying to cultivate your life and move forward in a way that doesn't involve going through the state necessarily. Right. And you mentioned agorism. My last episode was actually called the Agorism Works Edition because LAVA stands for Libertarian, Anarcho-Capitalist, Voluntarist, and Agorist. And agorism is something I haven't talked about much, but it's something that I live on a nearly daily basis here in New Hampshire. And you mentioned Bitcoin. I was able to, at a standard restaurant, not a libertarian restaurant, just a regular restaurant, was able to tip my waitress tonight in Bitcoin. I use Bitcoin almost daily in New Hampshire, because there's such a culture of freedom. It's, it's, it truly is the live free or die state. That, that motto is very, very particular for a reason. So living that agorist lifestyle outside of the political process is becoming more and more important as we're seeing that pendulum of the, the political process swing so far anti-liberty. Roger, I'm just curious. I, I live in 
Northern Virginia, and I've worked in D.C. in the past. And as I looked at the D.C. results, um, Hillary Clinton overwhelmingly won, but there's only like 1% of the District of Columbia that voted for Gary Johnson. And if we just look at them for their titles worth, you have you had Hillary Clinton, the Democrat, and then you had Libertarian Gary Johnson. If we just if we just go off the titles worth, it shows that only one percent of the city actually wanted any type of freedom. And as we go forward, we're seeing a lot of Republicans that are saying, "Okay, let's push for paid maternity leave. Okay, let's work on all these subsidies. Okay, let's work on trying to pay off this and everything else." We're dealing with half a society that wants to be freer and an overwhelming part of our society that thinks that government is the solution for things. What would you say to someone that is upset that Hillary Clinton lost because they're afraid that their welfare is going to be cut, their entitlements going to be cut, all their gimme, gimme, gimme from the government is going to be cut? What do you tell to those type of people? Well, the first thing I would say is that Trump is a Democrat. He's been a Democrat for the better part of his life. He's not going to make major changes in those areas. He fully believes in the statist culture. So I don't see anything much changing there. Now, I do see some changes coming to you know, some major thing, Obamacare. I do expect him to at least use his executive powers to do what he can to make Obamacare more fair, Less, less burdensome, which is a good thing. I mean, I will certainly look at that as a good thing. However, everything else, I think he's pretty much going to just leave alone because he has been a Democrat for so long. I mean, he was praising Hillary Clinton just three or four years ago before he started this this, nom- uh, this race. So I, I don't see a lot of changes there. Yeah, and, and that's the thing that reminds me about Ronald Reagan. You know, Ronald Reagan, the candidate, is I think the one a lot of Republicans put on a pedestal. Because when you look at Ronald Reagan, the president, he was the guy that increased deficit spending. He was the guy yes. that didn't eliminate the Department of Education. He didn't eliminate OPM and Housing and Urban Development, Department of Agriculture and EPA. And he got us involved in foreign intervention when you look at mm-hmm. Iran-Contra and things like that. So I think the rhetoric, especially of this cycle, the rhetoric might be – contrary to the actions that we actually have. I absolutely agree. And I named my oldest child Reagan after Ronald Reagan because <laughs> I, I grew up in the eighties and I remember the you know the kind of feeling of warmth and the feeling of safety and security that listening to Reagan's speeches gave me. And that was something that I even still carry with me today. But he didn't govern that way. He certainly didn't govern the way that he campaigned by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, there's a lot of people who say that Reagan was was a really good president, but if you look at his actual, you know, what he actually did, he was a bad president for liberty, no question about it. And I certainly think that Trump will be the same way. You know, he talks a good game on some things, and I think that he can make some small changes to Obamacare that will make it less burdensome. But some of his other ideas that could be considered libertarian, I don't think they're ever going to get off the off the chopping block. I don't think they'll ever make it from campaign to actual governing. Exactly. Even with Republicans controlling the government at this point, even with that. Well, you know, and that that terrifies me, I think, more than anything. Not only do we have a red executive and a red uh, red legislative, both, you know, both houses, but we're going to have a red Supreme Court. So there are literally going to be no checks and balances anymore. They're going to do everything that they – they're going to try to do everything that they can. The only hope is the filibuster in the Senate. The only hope is that you know that you need that 60, and that's going to be a little bit harder to get. But the things that you don't need that 60 for, 
we're, we're screwed. I mean, this these next four years are going to be pretty scary. Oh, exactly. I mean, just remember the year 2000, folks. I mean, I'm, I'm old enough to remember that. Exact same situation. We see how that decade went. Right. But, um, but you, you know, we, we brought up the great communicator a moment ago. This election, I think Gary Johnson murdered libertarianism. <laughs> not simply because, one, he's not a libertarian, but I think he bludgeoned it to death because he can't communicate. And I, I'm Look. sorry. A lot of people were like, well, you know, he's credible. If you can't communicate what you believe, that's a problem. But the thing about Gary Johnson was when he was able to communicate things, they weren't even what he actually believed. Well, see, I disagree. I think that he is a he is really good at communicating the things that he believes. The problem is he's not good at communicating libertarian ideals because he doesn't believe them. There you go. And I think that that's the key. When he wants to talk about the things that he really is passionate – I mean, when he first announced his run, you know, he was very passionate about talking about baiting the burqa, and he spoke about that very well until he got a lot of shit for it. And on my show, I call Gary Johnson. I call him uh, Gary, ban the fucking burqa, bake the fucking bake Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> because, because I mean, that's what he is. He's not a libertarian by any stretch, but when he, you can really tell what he believes. Because when he's talking about what he believes, he talks about the fair tax. is a great example. He fully believes in the fair tax, and he talks about it pretty well. Yeah, I mean, it's it's absolutely hilarious. He actually came to Liberty University, where I'm a student. And for those of you that don't know, Liberty University is the largest evangelical college in the world. And that's where he, Cruz. Cruz announced his run there as well, didn't he? Yes, he did. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and during the course of the GOP primary, uh, Ben Carson came, Mike Huckabee's wife came, uh, Donald Trump came and talked about how two Corinthians walk into a bar, and Mike Pence came, and even Bernie Sanders came. That was that was actually a cool day when Bernie Sanders came. That was it was it was good to hear from a different you know type of speaker. For yeah. once, but with uh, Liberty University, I think it was the College Republicans here. They put out the results of how many students showed up to vote and who, how many number of people voted for certain candidates. And what's funny was right after Gary Johnson came and spoke and talked about his campaign and everything else, he got pretty good reception from people, especially a lot of never Trumpers. The funny right. thing is. That's when the college libertarians or the Gary Johnson students, they really start pushing out, you know, they're tabling, they're passing out flyers, they're holding meetings and stuff. So Donald Trump won about, I think there were like 3,000 students that came out to vote. He got like 2,700 of them. Wow. And what's funny was, I think it was Gary Johnson got somewhere in the 130s, but he came in third. Actually, he came in fourth. He came out underneath Hillary Clinton, which is sad because this is Liberty University. You would have thought that she'd come in last. But what's even funnier is that Evan McMullen, the Mormon from Utah, came in second place with at least, I think it was 20 or 30 votes more than Gary Johnson, who showed up here. Well, I'm sure you probably had a lot to do with that. I know you were a big fan of McMullen. I actually, I actually, you know, here's a funny thing. I actually did reach out to the Evan McMullen campaign, and I said, I'm here. I think we can have an impact and embarrass some of the Republicans here that are just going full alt-right. Help, help me help you. I did not get a single call back, not a single email. And I tried. I tried. All I did was set up a Facebook page. I talked about it a couple times on the show, but other than that, I'm like, no one's ever going to care about the guy that didn't show up here that no one knows about and has, you know, I will give it credit, 
just came out of nowhere and has a suspicious background. I'll, I'll, I'll admit that much. So for him to come in second place here and beat Gary Johnson, that is very fascinating. It but is, here, but here's sure. the thing. I met up with some people that did vote for him, and everyone's admitting now who they voted for. Now it's <laughs> hip to say I didn't vote for the establishment parties. But I went up to all my friends. He's a very staunch Republican, a very staunch conservative, and he told me that he voted for Evan McMullen. I was like, dude, why? That's just It's just not your modus operandi. Why did you do that? And he's like, because he effectively – communicated what I believed in and inspired me to vote his way. You know, I can't disagree with that. I mean, he, he is a good communicator. I disagree with him on lots of things, but he's yeah. a good communicator. So I can, I can understand that. Now, I'm, I'm still kind of upset with McMullen because of Arkansas. I, my home state was Arkansas. That's where I was born and raised, moved up here for the free state project in New Hampshire about a year, just over a year ago. In Arkansas, you need 3% for the libertarian president to retain ballot access. I was the chairman of the libertarian party of Arkansas, and I was the first one to get full ballot access in Arkansas. It cost me $50,000 and thousands of hours. Ouch. But but we've done that for the last three cycles. So we've it's cost us tens of thousands of dollars every two years. This year we needed again three percent. Gary Johnson got two point five. McMullen got one point one. And all of those McMullen voters are never Trumpers. That the only other person they could have voted for could they weren't going to vote for Jill Stein. They certainly weren't going to vote for Hillary they would have voted for Johnson more than likely. So it cost the Libertarian Party of Arkansas ballot access for the third time in a row. I hear you. I hear you. Play devil's advocate, though. I mean, producer Ryan, the show's producer, me and him were talking about Johnson when when the whole bake the cake thing came up and when Bill Weld really started to put his mouth in, I mean, sorry, put his foot in his mouth and everything else. And I think it was around August, both of him and I looked at each other and we were like, this yeah we're we're not voting for Gary Johnson. This just he he just goes against everything we believe. He's anti property rights. He's anti religious freedom. Right. I mean our religion's very important to us. And we I was going to vote in Ted Cruz, and then Ted Cruz like blew that plane out of the sky by yeah. endorsing Trump. And I was like oh hell no. So now me and producer Ryan are basically like I guess we're not voting. And then McMullen came around and he he convinced us to go out and vote. He inspired sure. us to go out and vote. So well, and you bring up a good point, and I'm I quote I'm blaming McMullen, but it's not McMullen's fault. It's Johnson's fault for not inspiring those people. And you're a perfect example of that. Johnson had an opportunity to do that, and he failed at every single turn. You know, I was I was struggling with whether or not I was going to vote up until the first couple, the last couple of weeks before the election, and I finally made my decision. I was considering writing in Daryl W. Perry, who I consider a friend. We agree, we're eye to eye on so many things because we're both anarcho-capitalists, but there was not enough down ticket libertarians that I could act that were actually libertarians for me to even waste my time. You know, I'm bald and I tell people that (laughs) I, I I was, I was better off staying home and washing my hair than I was to go vote. I I got as much accomplished. Exactly. Roger, we're going to wrap up the show, but first we're going to go ahead and hit our final commercial break. Folks, hang on tight. We'll be back in a moment. Hello, my name is Alex Mercetta, and a great way to promote the libertarian message is through libertarian media, blogs, podcasts, videos. At libertarianwingmedia.com, it's an open-door policy for any libertarian who would like to contribute. So just email me at alexmerced at alexmerced.com, and I'll set you up as an author. At libertariansocial.com, you can have a profile, create groups, become friends with other members, message other members, and post blogs. 
at libertarian101.com, you'll find several videos on pretty much any question you can think of and any issue libertarian. So check those out and make sure to subscribe to great libertarian podcasts, such as the Alex Mercedcast, the Johnny Rocket Launchpad, Lions of Liberty, and the Remzo Republic. Thank you very much. back for our final segment as always we can't predict things in life we can come up with a straight and narrow plan and somehow life will just come in and backhand us like an angry pimp but what can we you know actually anticipate well if you're a fan of the show you know as always we have political word association from hell Roger, the rules are very simple. I'm going to say a word. You say the first thing that pops in your head. If you mumble, fumble, stall, go brain dead, you lose. But if you win, you get ultimate bragging rights, which is the <laughs> ultimate Remsor Republic no prize. The game's well, not going. Yeah, go, go ahead. As I say, I certainly can't you know, promise I'm going to keep it clean, but <laughs> this will be fun regardless. Not a problem. Just remember the words are going to get a little more complicated. I'll get a little bit faster. And we will see how things go. So the question is, are you ready? Absolutely. Let's do it. Bill Weld. Asshole. New Hampshire. Live free or die. Electoral College. Sucks. Rick Santorum. <laughs> Santorum. <laughs> Google it. Pizza Hut. I used to work there. Conservatives. Sucks. Gary Johnson. Burkas. Daryl W. Perry. Pretty awesome. Non-aggression principle. Live with it. Socialism. Sucks. Liberalism. Sucks. Progressivism. <laughs> Sucks. <laughs> You're making this too easy. Anarcho-capitalism. Live it. Nazism. Hitler. Lava lamps. Podcast. Doctor Strange. Movie. The military-industrial complex. Reagan. The pharmaceutical-industrial complex. Drugs. The um. Nixon administration. <laughs> Peace. Department of Education. Get rid of it. Yale University. Liberal. Social justice warriors. Liberal. Mark Levin. <sighs> Conservative. <laughs> Michael Savage. Moron. Milo Yiannopoulos. Moron. Pepe the Frog Me. Idiotic. And finally, Harambe. Idiotic again. That's just ridiculous. And, and, and it's funny you mention Harambe because I get a lot of a lot of listeners to my show are kind of anti-establishment. So they're, you know, big fans of the whole Harambe meme. And I just don't get that. It's, it's silly to me. I, I, I keep trying to figure it out. I wish someone did like a sociology of memes. And I think it's going to get, I think it's going to get a little bit worse after this, because what we saw with the 2016 election was the great meme war. We saw how white supremacists jumped on of Pepe the Frog I don't know if you know about this, but there's this one thing online called Moon Man, and it was basically like this – I don't know if it was like a 1980s pop star or something, but someone basically dubbed in a bunch of their own lyrics into this video of a guy dressed up as 
the moon and it's just the most racist xenophobic trash i've ever seen online and it's well, just I, I i'm afraid that the internet is basically becoming robocops detroit well my thing is you know i think that a lot of ancaps who do this and i know lots of them lots of my friends do the pepe and the harambe stuff i don't think they do it i know most of them the ones i know don't do it out of a racist bent they do it more out of an anti-establishment bent well the establishment is telling me not to do this because it's supposedly racist so i'm going to do it anyway and throw it in their face but all that does is shut down that conversation between you and them completely. They're never going to take you seriously. They're never going to have a conversation with you ever again. So I think it's a little bit negative. I'm glad you bring that up because my final question before we wrap things up is this going forward. And I'm not talking 2020, but I'm talking like long term. Where do you see the Liberty movement going, going forward, staying where we are or taking a step back? I think that it's always going to grow to a certain extent. I think we have more libertarians now than we ever have. I was talking tonight at uh, one of our meetups um, with a lady who's been in the liberty movement since the since the 70s. And, you know, she was saying that then there were just a few thousand libertarians in the country. And now we have, you know, probably well over a million at this point. So I think that it's going to continue to grow, but the population is also going to grow as well. The question is, are we going to grow the percentage? That I don't know. I think that you're going to see more pockets of libertarians like we have here in New Hampshire, Liberland, things like that, that are actually going to start making a difference. But I think in the rest of the country, you're just there's not enough of a concentration to really make any major difference. Gotcha. Roger, if people want to get in contact, if you listen to your show and even follow you on social media, how can they do so? Everything's under the lava flow. Um, lava, again, stands for libertarian, anarcho-capitalist, voluntarist, and agorist. Uh, website's lavaflow.com. I'm on Facebook, Twitter. Um, you can also check me out at paxlibertas.com. It's a new podcast network where I'm going to be bringing even newer, even more um, anarcho-capitalist and other libertarian podcasts. So uh, check that out at paxlibertas.com. Mr. Roger Paxton, thank you so much for coming on the program, sir. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. Folks, just want to give you a quick update. After this, we only have one episode left in season one. Can you believe that? We started off with 21 episodes. Now we've moved up to about, I think it was 53, 54. This is fantastic. If you want to catch us, you know, catch up with the show and everything else, we do have our brand new website. It's just, you know, exactly what you think it is. RemsoRepublic.com. RemsoRepublic.com. You can catch show notes, blogs, everything else. Uh, Sorry about the Liberty.me account. That was just... I'm beginning. I'm a little bit embarrassed, but we finally invested a little bit of money in it to get RemsoRepublic.com moving. Apart from that, follow me on Twitter as always at Remso101. Find me on Facebook at RemsoWMartinez or just by searching at RemsoRepublic. As always, live free America, you sexy beast. I'll see you next week. Stay connected to Liberty's Rabble Rouser on Facebook and Twitter to stay up to date with the latest episodes, blogs, and other available content. What are you waiting for?